You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mount Wire podcast football edition. MWWire.com. Some combination of Mountainless Wire, MWC Wire, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you didn't know, we're um, tangentially or connected with USA Today, doing great things with them. Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly, third time. How you feeling? You excited? Finally. Yeah, a couple <laughs> reasons, finally. finally. Got it. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing we don't include the outtakes on these things. Uh, well, last time was not too bad. We went about 30 seconds, so that's better than going 26 minutes and realizing, holy crap, something happened. So That's third true. time, third time to get started. Preview week zero. Don't believe what ESPN says. This is the real beginning of the college football, because heck, they are um, you know broadcasting one of these games we're talking about on Saturday, August twenty fifth. Yeah, and, exactly. And we don't understand that at all. I, if they weren't broadcasting a game, or they're saying, hey, six days till game days in town. I don't, where's game day? I don't even know. One of the neutral site games. I'm assuming. Probably. It doesn't involve us, so I don't care too much. Too much, I say. Uh, so we have two games this week, three Mountain West teams going on this weekend. And should we don't, we're not doing any news. news. Should we just get to the games? Is that all people I care about? I think that we should. I think, we, I think we've waited long enough. Okay. Before we get to I got one quick pub. No, not some random ad. I chatted with Adopted Aggie the other day. That's his Twitter handle, pseudonym. He needs to... Um, Whatever, that's his name. That's what he prefers to go by. So we respect that. UnderdogDynasty.com, New Mexico State Guru. We chatted for about 20 minutes about this game, going over why each team will win, who won't win, who will win. Um, we talked about a bet, which is quite interesting. We discussed the atmosphere. Just get to know the Aggies a bit better, more than me and Matt probably would know since that guy watches it more frequently. And check out Underdog Dynasty, search New Mexico State, and he's basically done – a position preview, I believe, on every group unit. He still might have one or two left, but he's a good dude. Check out his stuff. Go listen to that show. Tune in, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, and let us know how you like it. So there's that out of the way. Oh, and also, we're going to try to do more of these. We um, are going to do a couple next week already in the books to record, so get, get ready for those little kind of shorter episodes to get the – I'll say the real experts because we're not real experts on, like, Michigan State – or um, Florida Atlantic or other teams like that. So we're getting the pros on, right? Yeah, there's only – I mean, as much college football as we try to watch, there's only so many devices that we can pay attention to at once. And I still miss so much. Yes. <laughs> that's why, honestly, one of the few things I watch on ESPN that's not a live show, their college game day finals is a pretty good show. So mm-hmm. I do a pro tip. Don't if you, if you record it on your DVR – don't do the version that's like around midnight, 1 a.m., 10 p.m., depending on your time zone. Find the one that's like at 5 a.m. local time because that's going to be the actual full version and not edited or cut off because games always go long. So just so you know, the more you know. Game time. We're getting to games. New Mexico State, Wyoming, Colorado State, and Hawaii. I guess we're starting with the conference game, right? CSU hosting Hawaii. Is it – It's. The stadium's actually Canvas Stadium. Is that correct, Canvas? That is correct. Is that some credit union or something, some bank, financial institution? I wish I remember that off the top of my head. 
See, this is the tough stuff we should know, but we don't care about to know. It but probably is a credit union that seems to be the trend. They have money, right? Credit unions? That's the idea, yeah. That's the idea. No, hey, no. Um, what is it called? Uh, check free banking or free check, whatever it is. No money banking, whatever, no monthly fees. Those are always good. So, all yeah, right. Yeah. So, the game, let's get to the game. Here we go. Um, a couple things with this game. First off, it uh, it is on CBS Sports Network, so make sure you have that channel in your lineup. Um, our podcast here, if you don't get it, check out Fubo TV. We have a quick little like a link in the podcast so you can get a free trial. I'm actually doing that this week because I moved to an apartment complex that, um, doesn't have CBS Sports Network, and I may not pay to add it right now, so I may do a free trial and see how it goes. So, That's a good idea. Check our streaming podcast because we did a bunch on that. So it's on CBS Sports Network. Two big, what the two biggest things? The biggest thing for me, I think, we don't know who Ice quarterback is. Well, we do. Nick Rolovich said there's a one on the on the uniform. But well, I mean, you can only <laughs> have one on the field at a time. No, no, no. The number one's on the quarterback uniform. I guess that's true. But guess what? All three quarterbacks vying have one on the one on the Ross jersey. So Rolo being Rolo, right? Well, from what what I understand and what the depth chart shows you is that you know, and and I think Rolovich alluded to this not only for this game but from the upcoming season, is that you could probably expect to see multiple quarterbacks. And if you look at the depth chart, you can see that they have Cole McDonald or Chevin Cordero. Not a and I think it's kind of, and I think it's kind of interesting, yeah. You know, because on the one hand, McDonald's the only guy on the roster who has, you know, actual game time experience, albeit very little. But at the on the on the other hand, I think Cordero is going to be really interesting to watch, if only because one, he's a true freshman, mm-hmm. and you know he comes from a school that is known for running the run and shoot, so he came into the program with some familiarity. And you're probably going to see him more than a little bit on Saturday. You think so? And it, oh yeah, yeah, you're going to see both of those guys. It, I don't think it's going to matter too much who ends up under center first. I think what's going to matter more is just you know if one guy can find a rhythm. Sure. Also, just to be note, to side note, I put in our newsletter we did. There's an awesome history of running shoots. If you don't know about it, if you weren't a Hawaii fan with June Jones. Or like me, Houston Oilers fan back in the ninety early nineties, where they ran the run and shoot in the freaking NFL. Go check that out. But also, you mentioned Cordario. He's at a uh, St. Louis High School in Honolulu. Guess what? Often say mm-hmm. run, Matt. The run and shoot. So yeah, there's not just a spread, but an actual five wide. Screw the running back. Mike Leach runs the ball too much. <laughs> so it would be interesting. But this game, it's a fourteen point underdog for the for the Warriors there. There's a lot of concerns on this team, in my opinion, because obviously there's a lot. New coordinators, quarter, new quarterback, um, new running back. They, the best thing, obviously, is John Ursu on offense. If they if they throw more than they did last year, could he, like not this game, but legitimately have like a 300-yard receiving game once or twice this year? I mean, I would assume that VJ Banks and Rashad Ajayi would probably have something to say about that. True, but if they're going to throw 10% more than last year, 15% more? I mean, I think the idea of moving to the run and shoot is that they don't necessarily have to rely on one guy to be productive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's a couple of guys, you know, not only John Ursua, but Cedric Bird, who I think we expected to kind of step up and take one of those starting roles. But obviously when you're running the run and shoot, you're probably going to need like five or six guys in the long run. and And that's what makes... 
you know, the, like the, the third and fourth options, you know, Jojo Ward and Jason Matthew Sharsh. You know, both of those guys stepped up. They're listed atop the depth chart at wide receiver alongside Ursula and Bird. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Colorado State matches up with them because obviously we know that the Rams are moving to a 4-3 but how are they going to how are they going to change their formations based on the fact that Hawaii is going to be running four and five receivers out there at a time that's going to be a couple things it can do the run and shoot like even switching defense um, it's going to cause impact on defense just because what if they throw three quick times you know what I mean like if you're, mm-hmm. if you're switching things around but this seems going to be bad. Can we just say that? Is that okay? They'll be fun, but they'll be bad, right? They'll be fun, but bad. I think I think it's going to be I think it's going to be really interesting. If only because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that they they've been successful mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball in the last couple of years. It's just, you know, the big question is are they going to be successful doing what they really want to do now because the last, you know, last year for instance on offense you know, it came down to St. Juice being able to run the football, and they were more balanced. And this year, obviously, they're moving to a more pass-heavy attack. But then, you know, you've got so many guys moving into the starting lineup now. You know, not only at wide receiver, but, for instance, at running back, where you've got two new guys, Dayton Fruit and Fred Holly. You know, if those guys could be, like, 80% of what St. Juice was last year, I think it's going to be okay. But... I'm not totally sure that that's going to happen in this game, if only because, you know, they're moving so many guys along the offensive line into the starting lineup, too. Like, they do have, you know, two new tackles, because Asatui Eli's out for the year. So they have Ilm Manning at left tackle. They have Cole Laval at right tackle. You know, they have a little more, you know, continuity on the interior, but, you know, they have a sophomore at center in Taaga Tuulima and uh, a freshman in Solo Vaipulu. So... You know, there's a chance that, you know, the guys up front for Colorado State, I'm thinking about guys like Emmanuel Jones and Richard King, especially the ends, they might be licking their chops thinking about this matchup because if they can get to the whoever's under center and kind of keep them on their toes, you know, keep them a little more trigger happy than I think Rolovich would like, then I think it could be okay. a long afternoon. I'm going to do a quick stat for you. So I was looking while you're chatting. I went back to the last, I know the last time they did a run and shoot really good. Okay, this is the outlier. It's two thousand seven when they won the, mm-hmm. when they went to the Sugar Bowl. Um, tell me if these numbers. I, I know these numbers aren't gonna be actually be the case this year. We should. This probably should have been a discussion for our Hawaii Big Preview podcast. So Matt, they had two receivers with over a hundred receptions, a third with ninety two, three mm-hmm. guys combined for over thirty five hundred yards with eleven hundred minimum each. Is there any chance they get anything close to that? Hmm. Yeah. In year one? Okay. So I would I, be very surprised. Yeah. I think I think if you I think the better one? comp maybe <laughs> for this year's team. Well, if you go back and you look at 2008 SMU, for instance, and you, and you look at their passing offense, they finished right around the middle of the pack in uh, you know, passing offense by quarterback rating. And they had 29 touchdowns, but they also threw 25 interceptions. But and, and the completion rate maybe wasn't quite as high as you would want it to be. They only completed 56.5% of their passes. And so I think what, what I'm kind of expecting is obviously, you know, a team that's going to throw the ball over the place, you know, they, they might throw 
you know, they might turn the ball over a little bit more than I think we've seen in the last couple of years. But I think they're also going to generate more big mm-hmm. plays. And that's where, you know, the guys in in the slot, and you know, Ursua mm-hmm. and uh, Cedric Bird, you know, that's where those guys, I think, are going to make a huge difference. You know what's interesting, too? I'm looking through some numbers. Like Timmy Chang, who we know who's at the Nevada right now, is their passing game coach, I believe, or QB coach. Mm-hmm. Did you know he only had, despite being the run and shoot, only completed 57% of his passes? You, I would think, like... It, maybe I'm out of out of line here, but I thought not him in general. But run and shoot typically, it's not a West Coast. You're not doing dump off, but don't they usually compete like 60, 62 plus? Doesn't that sound about what you'd want from this offense? I would think so. I mean, I obviously the only team that I can think of that runs a real kind of variation of the run and shoot these days is or is or was Texas Tech, yeah. but it's not quite the same thing that June Jones was running. But I'm kind of going through what SMU did, especially in the kind of the peak years. And they only cracked 60% uh, one time from 2009 to 2012. Okay. And, but but at the same time, it was right around, you know, 58 to 60% until it kind of dropped off in the last couple of years that he was there. Because when I look at Colt Brennan, who was the Hawaii, or the, yeah, the Hawaii QB at Sugar Bowl, he was 70% for a career. Mm-hmm. In that similar, I know the talent got better. They improved, obviously. But Timmy Chang is like one of the best, most prolific passes in NCAA history. Mm-hmm. But then again, like Timmy, like really quick, this is nuts. Did you know 2006 Colt Brennan threw 58 touchdown passes? Well, I knew that. <laughs> Thank you. That's crazy. I remember. I remember that. But he also had like 40. His career numbers, like here's where your point was before. He had in three years and what he played, 24, 40, 48 games. Basically, average a pick a game, 42 picks, 131 TDs, 70%. Obviously, it's not going to be the case, but I would want, you would think, to pass quite well. But this is going to be a bumpy road. This team, what you're probably going to see is a lot of good passing and a lot of bad plays. Just because new, new, a lot of combinations. New guy, maybe it's a true freshman in there. McDonald, who hasn't played a ton, playing against, playing on the road. New offense, new receivers. Not, not a good running game, at least as of what we expect from what they did last year. I think the offense is just going to show, oh, that play looks great. Oh, crap, what's going on? Why this guy sacked for a 10-yard loss? Or why was there a miscommunication where the ball bounced off a guy's head? Because they run run, run the wrong excuse me, run the wrong route. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a good test for the Rams' secondary, if only because, you know, it seems like all the indications at a camp are that they're feeling very confident about the guys they have back there. Should they? You know, Their defense has been not- pretty bad. <laughs> Well, I mean, and some of that has to do with the overhaul, I think. And some of that just has to do with having more experience back there. You know, Banks is a senior transfer from Rice. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a pair of pretty decent safeties in Jordan Fogel and Jamal Hicks. And, you know, even though they're not in the starting lineup, I do think that, you know, Dejon Owens and Anthony Hawkins, who are probably going to line up with those third and fourth Warriors receivers, I think they're going to probably hold their own more often than not in this game. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if Miami or excuse me, Hawaii. I was thinking of tropical places. <laughs> if if Hawaii, you know, lands a big player too, but I think for the most part, you're right. They're probably going to hold them in check more often than not. I think they'll have some success because the Rams have a new Marty English retired as their DC. They lose a couple of guys, and they weren't very good last year. So this is probably outside of playing. San Jose State or like maybe Nevada, this is probably one of the better matchups they could have to break in this offense. I also think it's a really good matchup for Colorado State's running game. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I say that knowing, you know, even though they're losing Dalen Dawkins, you know, they've still got two or three guys back there who can, you know, probably run the ball between the tackles right down Hawaii's throat because, you know, they're replacing a lot of guys up front on the defensive side too. Like Zeno Choi is back, but, you know, Blessman Ta'ala, he's a big guy, but he's, you know, relatively new to the to the defense, you know, and uh, Samuela Akoteu, uh, you know, both of those guys I think are going to make a little bit of a difference. But I think when you're going up against an experienced line like Colorado State's, you know, in an experienced backfield like they have, not only with Izzy Matthews, but, you know, Marvin Kinsey and Marcus McElroy, you know, I think they're probably going to be able to keep them off the field too. I think Colorado State's going to be able to chain some drives together and be efficient in a way that keeps this offense at bay. I would think so as well, but you mentioned the running back spot. How, like, Richard, I know Richard's body was suspended during practices. Kenzie's is not the backup. How is the, how deep are they if those two guys aren't the number two when Marcus McElroy is? Well, I mean, I would think that they're at least three or four deep. Well, I'm you just, know, I'm just saying, maybe like, they're more, they're more like Fresno State than they are like Boise State, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's just kind of odd. I kind of figured with with uh, Richard body not practicing everything. I figured, okay, Marvin will be the guy back there, but it's it's just super deep because I remember week one last year or week zero whenever they played at Oregon State, Mike Boba, who we should mention in a moment, what's going on with him, but he was like man crushing all over body. Again, I get it true freshman first half of the game he's just going nuts over him and he's basically number four but i think what i'm looking forward to most is is how this passing offense for colorado state comes together because you know as we mentioned in the in the rams preview at length you know they're replacing you know a lot of production in that regard but kj carter samuels has looked sharp in fall camp obviously ola bc johnson's back he's more or less the number one guy but we're getting our first real extended looks at Preston Williams and Warren Jackson. And I'm very interested to see how those two do in this game, mm-hmm. because I think they present kind of an interesting height advantage, you know, against the likes of Eugene Ford, Zach Wilson, or Justin Ferris. You know, this might be an offense that's in a position where if they can you know, set up the running game early, you know, maybe that enables them to do play action and, you know, chuck it up and let these guys go get it more often than they had last more often than they did last year because Michael Gallup was very good at that and I kind of expect that Jackson and Williams can do the same thing but that remains to be seen so that's true that's just that but the quarterback situation Colin Hill is listed as the or on the two deep as a backup mm-hmm. you have KJ Carter Samuels who from Washington for those way back in the day for brother of former Wyoming quarterback for a time Austin Carter Samuels who was quite good himself before he went to Vanderbilt and now's doing what insurance sells but who knows what he's doing at the moment but he, he was a pretty good player in his own right they it's going to be it's he's good he's a good guy to be back there because like we mentioned here our prior shows he's going out to UCLA maybe Chip Kelly didn't work out for whatever reason and they are they like him a ton like the receivers on the team are coming around like not that they it's like okay there's two things to look at this yeah it's uh we're the, the wide receivers, are they going to say anything bad about, bad about their quarterback? Of course not, right? And so how how much do you take in that they say, well, I love our quarterback, he's doing great, but he's also, why would you bash your own quarterback anyways? Do you take too much into them saying that he's doing a great job in camp from the players? Or is it like that's what they're supposed to say? Well, I mean, I don't think they would. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm getting I mean, at? It seems like, like there's, that's a loaded answer. It right is. There. Well, that's my point. It's like, 
yes, they're going to say he's great, he's doing good, they like him, but they're also not going to say he's terrible, even if he have Not that he is. I'm just saying it's like it's like the thing in fall camp. Oh, defense looks great. Offense looks great. Well, you should look good in fall camp. Or there are certain aspects where you're, you're undefeated, you haven't lost a game, you haven't played a game. You're not going to be any negative. Maybe it's just me being a skeptic, skeptical here, skeptic person here. We're saying, is there any, how much truth can you take from his players or his own team backing him up? I guess it's better than saying nothing, but, and again, this is maybe Carter Samuels will be first team all-conference quarterback. Who knows? But it's just something I thought of just now. It's like, well, he's their guy, but why is there, I'd rather have an outsider say he looks great than your own teammate catching passes. I think he's definitely going to be good enough to make this a fairly comfortable win I think, for Colorado State. I think I can make this a fairly comfortable win for Colorado State. Put me under center. So uh, <laughs> so what's what's the line at this point? Uh, two touchdowns in favor of, let's see, Colorado State, obviously. The over-under actually dropped a little bit. It's 56 and a half. Hmm. I think that I would probably take the under. I do think Hawaii is going to be able to put up some points, but I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with Colorado State. I think, you know, both teams are probably going to be able to move the ball, you know, a little more than their defensive coordinators would like. But I think in the end, you know, even with this kind of new look Rams offense, I fully expect them to win, I don't know, let's say, uh, I don't know, 30, 30 to 20. Are we making score predictions this year? Yeah. Are we going to keep track of these predictions? I will keep track of mine. <laughs> I guess I better keep track of mine. Okay. So I'll... I guess the, I guess that means I'm taking Hawaii against the spread. I'm taking Hawaii plus 14, but I'm saying that Colorado, Colorado State will win. So you say 30 th- – sorry, say your score again. 30 to 7. 30 to 20. Oh, 30 to 20. So 10 point. Yeah. So, okay. I think, I think you're right because I think the Rams defense isn't great, so Hawaii will have some good plays. I th- Honestly, I think it's going to be like – I'm going to say they're going to cover like 40 to 20. And beat the over-under for Colorado State. Okay. So you're taking the over then? Taking the over on everything. Give me it all. all right. <laughs> Give me the over on everything. For 40 to 20, uh, over-under 56.5, give me that. And give me the plus or minus 14. Next game, all Mexico right. State hosting hosting Wyoming. Did you know, Matt, this has been plastered everywhere. ESPN has not been to Las Cruces in a decade. I did note that. Good. So I talked to our guy, adopt the guy adopted Aggie from underdogdynasty.com. They are going full on crazy for this game. Home game, not only game on TV. Cause like Matt, do you care about, uh, I know you, sorry, you're a baseball guy. So I understand, but college football or baseball. Ooh, for you. I know it's a tough one. And, and I, I'm assuming you're not going to let me just say yes. <laughs> it it's no it's fine it's okay but I'm, what i'm saying is for the most people with it being open a week and if you look at what games are going on like it's saturday night typically not a big baseball night right uh except on the west coast but yeah i get your point what i'm saying is that this is also an 8 p.m mountain kickoff on espn2 um like there's a couple games like you get the astros angels that's a pretty big deal um, who else is good this year for baseball? I don't pay attention too much. Uh, Phillies, Blue Jays looks to be not very good. Uh, <laughs> Red Sox are always good. Red Sox, Tampa Bay, that's not bad. That's an afternoon game. But what I mean for baseball, it's typically mid-afternoon games, right, for the most part on Saturday? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, East Coast, Midwest, yeah. Okay, just just making sure I got this right. So 
But what I'm saying is there's not something that's going to take you away that's a must-see event. I'm going to try and watch as much as possible. Let's just put it that so way. So am I. No, that's what I'm getting at. But it's and it's also this line. It's uh, it's actually changed since we um, since I put the line post the other day. It's actually four for Wyoming on the road. And Very interesting. It is quite interesting because New Mexico State replacing Larry Rose, top running back Jalil Jalil. Oh shoot, what's his last name? Um, he's at the Ravens, or top receiver from last year. And you might be thinking of Jaleel Scott. Yes, Jaleel Scott. I spaced his last name. Quarterback's gone. They're starting a Juco guy in his place. How, offensive line, however, four or five starters back. About 50 career starts on the line, 40 to 50, somewhere in that range. However, Pro Football Focus loves their defense. And, yeah, that's – um, yeah, they love their defense, which is a, a little – I guess I won't, I won't question their metric capability, number crunching, but – it does seem a bit odd, but if that's the case, this game might be like ten to seven. Yeah, I mean, we talk about. I mean, we've talked at length about how the how the Cowboys have like so many starters coming back this year, right? Mm-hmm. And how they're they're deep at pretty much every level on their defense. And when you really look at what New Mexico State has coming back, you know, you could easily say the same thing about them. You know, they have everybody coming back on their offense on their defensive line. You know, including the duo of Cedric Wolcott and Malik Demby, mm-hmm. who, by the way, I think that between the two of them, they had 15 tackles for loss last year. You know, so right away, you're looking at a very critical matchup against, you know, a, a pair of tackles where, you know, on the one hand, Zach Wallace is, you know, he's going to be there to protect Tyler Vanderwall, the new quarterback's blindside. So that's probably a positive. But on the other hand, they're starting a redshirt freshman at right tackle in Rudy Stouffer. And they're also starting a redshirt freshman at center. And they're also starting a redshirt freshman at left guard. So what does this tell so you wait, wait, what does this tell you from last year's team if these guys get to start from what happened last year? Well, I I mean I think that's just, you know, some of some of it had to do with graduation mm-hmm. and some of it is just kind of next man up because one of the things that we talked about with last year's line is there was a lot more there was a lot of shuffling they had to do with injuries and you know they're facing some of the same things again here like Eric Abajai for instance uh, he was expected to be a starter i think and you know he suffered an injury in camp he's listed as the backup at left guard behind Keegan Kreider mm-hmm. but you know you're plugging in three new guys along the line and all of a sudden you know when you're going up against uh, an experienced defensive line like the New Mexico State has you know, it's going to be really critical for them to keep Vanderwall on his feet. And it's going to be really critical for them to be able to open up holes for, you know, the kind of reloaded running game. Because we know that they moved Trey Woods, you know, back out from running back. Again. And Nico Evans is probably <laughs> going to get the starting nod. Well, right now it's Nico, I believe. Am I reading the depth chart right? Is it Nico or is it... How do they have their or listed? I... It is, uh, it's Nico Evans mm-hmm. as the starter. Okay. And then and then Xavier Valaday and Javon Bigelow as an or okay the way they have it it's not entirely clear so that makes that checks that makes sense i mean my guess is you're probably going to see all four of those guys because even evans valet bigelow and then kellen overstreet well kellen overstreet was supposed to be the guy last year essentially one of the guys so because i think they want to find a guy who can run between the tackles and i know that i've heard a lot of good things about bigelow in particular he's a he's the biggest dude that they have in the backfield you know 6'2 215 very brian hill-esque so, you know, but regardless of, of whoever's getting the carries, I think what they're looking for is just, you know, to be able to push the pile forward 
so that they don't end up in too many third and long situations. Because I mentioned this before, but their offense has to be better, right? Can it really be worse than last year? You would think so. That's my point. Like, it, like I don't want to make this – this will come up, I guarantee, in a game or two. Look at Vanderwall. If he completes, like, 59% of his passes, why couldn't Josh Allen do this? I'm like, well, chill, cool your jets, folks. It wasn't just him. They were how, – look how young they were last year. You know what I mean? Like, losing all that mm-hmm. talent. Who are in the NFL? I've mentioned that a million times. But, like, they're still a young team. Like, this team, like – like you said, offensive line, redshirt freshman. They have one senior, I believe, on two seniors on the starting line. That's it. They do have Austin Ford at tight end, who's a senior. We'll see if he can go um, touch for touchdown ratio, one-to-one. That would be a lot to ask for, but maybe at least one game. Two for two would be nice, right, for him? Mm-hmm. I would say, like, James Price, a pretty good receiver. Austin Conway, they have potential to be a pretty good receiver. Also, did you know Rocket Ishmael Jr. is on this team? I noted that when I was looking at the roster before our Wyoming preview. I assume you and I know who the former Heisman Trophy winner father at Notre Dame was, right? Rocket Ishmael Sr.? Yes. So if you don't know, he was a really good football player. Played with the what Cowboys, Ravens. Where else did he play in the NFL, do you recall? Didn't he play for the Cowboys a little bit? Very little at the end of his career. Very little. That's all I can remember. Okay. I know he's with Baltimore at some point. So he's a backup wide receiver behind uh, Avante Cox. But the offense, here's the thing. We'll get to everything else in a minute, but the offense, there's optimistic because Brent Vigian seems like knows what he's doing there, obviously, coaching past couple of years. Craig Bull, going back to North Dakota State days, they have the good offenses. This is a point where two years removed from losing like four guys in the NFL, Tater Gentry, Brian Hill, um, a couple offensive linemen, tight end, Jacob Hollister to the Patriots. They're finally getting back. Okay, we got these talents and the other guys coming up. Young guys registered last year who come into play. They're recruiting a bit better. Offense just needs to be a little bit better. Not 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 just in this game, but every game. To be that much better. Because if mm-hmm. we go to defense, Andrew Wingard, second team All American on multiple lists. AP, the most important one out there. He's second team all comp or all American. You have guys like their defense is could be like top ten nationally, not just in like total yards, yards per game, but like total efficiency and defense. This possibly could be like a top ten unit. And I'm not saying that just because we like Wyoming. They were top 20 last year in most major categories. You got Logan Wilson. You have Carl Granderson. You have, I'm going to mention, I got, no, Johanna Gaffini. Gaffin. You got all these guys back there. Not Curtis Granderson. That was an error. Sorry. Carl Granderson from our preview. One of our previews. <laughs> did, you say that, did you do the same thing that Jesse did? No, I was doing it on purpose now. No, no. I, I, oh. <laughs> I, I Well, I proofread, but didn't apparently proofread it well enough. I'm like, oh, this looks good. <laughs> like, submit for him. That was my bad. But he put a nice little tweet about a former baseball player. I assume he was formal, Curtis Granderson. But, no, not Curtis Carl. They, they're they a legit defense. Like, honestly, this game, not just this game, but if their defense scores, like, seriously, their def- offense needs to score only 17 points a game to win most of them this year. Do you think they can hold? How many spread? Like, How many spread teams did the Cowboys face against last year? Uh, I'll have to look and see real quick. Because I'm, because I'm looking through the schedule, and, and the ones that come to mind, like Utah State, for instance, you know, they often run three or four receivers out there, mm-hmm. and they're kind of spread offense. Yeah, David Yost, yeah. Uh, you know, San Jose State was, you know, very spread yeah, like last year. You know, or- Oregon kind of runs their spread offense. But, you know, they're not – I don't know that they're going to be able to run their base defense as often as they might like because you know, 
in the same way that we were talking about Hawaii running the run and shoot out there, let's not forget that New Mexico State's going to be running four receivers out there. Mm -hmm. Washington State, Missouri's going to run a lot of receivers out there. Boise State will do – they'll be more – not as extreme, they'll be more pro, but they still put three guys out there than Hawaii. You might be right. Fresno has good wide receivers. Holy crap. <laughs> you might be onto well, something. <laughs> well, and and I'm not and this is not to say that, you know, Wyoming is doomed in this particular matchup. I think one of the things you can point to that New Mexico State's gonna have to prove is that they could take care of the football. Mm-hmm. Because, you issue. know, you mentioned you mentioned their new quarterback, Matt Romero. You know, I think everybody on the New Mexico State side is hoping that they can do a little better than than the 22 interceptions that he and Nick Ginty, the, the the new current backup, you know, between the two of them, they threw that many INTs last year. And so I think, you know, if they can get their hands on a pass or two, that is like a huge point in their favor. But at the same time, you know, one of the things we pointed out in the Wyoming preview that I think is going to be especially true for this matchup is, you know, how well the cornerbacks can perform because, you know, both of the guys, you know, CJ Colden, retro freshman, Antonio Holt finally stepping into the lineup. And then the guys behind them, Keon Blankenbaker and Jelani Ellison, you know, they're, they're going up against pretty tall targets. Like if you look at the starting lineup for New Mexico state, Bryce Roberts, for instance, is six, four and two sixty eight. You know, he's, he's listed as a tight end, I think, but he's also listed at the wide position. Future NFL yeah. wide receiver slash tight end. Probably possibly. Yeah, so, <laughs> so he's like six, four and two seventy, right. You know, and then they have two guys, drew Dan and Jonathan Boone, who are six, three, one ninety. Uh, you know, Jason Huntley is five, nine, one eighty eight. So, you know, I don't know that New Mexico State is quite the, you know, you know, the vertical passing game. I think they'd want to be able to, you know, go east and west as much as they go north and south. But, you know, those guys are going to have to play up to their games pretty quickly, I think. You know, Hole and Colden especially, I think, are going to be under the microscope. I think also, but I think they're going to want to run because that offensive line, like I mentioned, they bring basically everybody back. And yeah. so I'm thinking they're going to want to – when I chatted with uh, the guy from – UDD Underdog Dynasty, they said they probably want to run more to set up the pass. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that could be where Wyoming has their typical standard defense out there to get their best 11 on the field. Here's the thing, too. Even if they go, like, playing against team to go four wide, I still think they're going to probably going to want to stick their almost the best 11 out there. Maybe they'll run a kind of quasi 3 3 5 a little bit where you just stick an extra DB back there. You're going to have to, anyways. You're not going to have a Logan Wilson guard a wide receiver, really. Yeah, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out how they're going to do that because their base defense on their depth chart is listed as basically like a, you know, they have Tyler Hall listed as nickelback slash strong side linebacker. So it's somewhere between a four three and a four two five. And so I guess it wouldn't surprise me if they stuck with that most of the time. But what is the defensive line going to be able to do if all of a sudden one of the guys in the middle, Sidney Malawulu or Johanna Guyfan? You know, if, if they have to sit out more often than not, like, how does how does the defense respond? Like, how do they rotate players in and out? You know, how do the defensive ends hold up if they're, you know, if they're rushing three or four, you know, from from the defensive line and linebacker spots rather than four or five? Mm-hmm. You know, how is New Mexico State going to capitalize on the one hand? How is Wyoming going to continue to create pressure on the other? It's going to be, that's the thing, like, this team, like, or this game itself, it'll be interesting if they can create pressure or not. It's just that if you look at all the units in this game, 
defense, I give Wyoming the edge. But New Mexico State, they're, I think maybe me and others are giving them kind of a hard time because, yeah, they played in the Sun Belt last year. They're an independent team. They could they could be a team. Like, as I look at their schedule, like the, um, what is it, the uh, advanced numbers, they're, like, favored in, like, every game. But have you seen their schedule, who they play? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, no. It is. They have a home-and-home home with newly FBS Liberty who basically paid their way to be FBS to get in, like, instantly. They hmm. they got Wyoming. They their toughest game is at Minnesota. Which would you be shocked if they beat Minnesota this year? It's at Minnesota. Yeah, a little, but not too much. I think that game would be a lot closer than it would have been in years past. Yeah, but here's like really quick. Just this will give New Mexico State some cred this year. I think Wyoming. They're not project. They're not projected to win. They're well. I'll schedule here. Wyoming at Minnesota. At Utah State, New Mexico, at UTEP, Liberty, at Louisiana Lafayette, Georgia Southern, at Texas State, Alcorn State, at BYU, at Liberty. Their teams they play, the best team barely is Minnesota. Barely. And they're like middle of the pack, F- FBS. They play five te- uh, only five te- four teams. One, two, yeah, four teams are top 100 S&P+. Plus. But I think this is going to be an interesting matchup, if only because you know Wyoming's offense has a lot to prove. They, yes, they like do. it. It doesn't. It on paper, it doesn't necessarily scare anybody yet, and because the fact that New Mexico State is bringing back so much production from last year's productive defense, mm-hmm. you know, this is a game that I think could turn very well simply on whoever wins the turnover battle or whoever creates more third and longs whoever forces the first mistake that might be all it takes in this game to really secure a win Could be, because yeah. yeah because if you go back and look at bill Connolly's you know returning production thing let's not forget that the the aggies are bringing back you know basically 16th in the country as far as defensive returning production 83 that when you compare that to wyoming wyoming is returning 34 percent really so there's defense, a lot that's it on defense, yeah. Oh. There's a lot of production coming back on the Saggies side of the ball. However, like their defensive rank, S&P is only like 80. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know much you can say about that. But I think it's going to be a really interesting test. I think everybody on the Wyoming offense has a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Price, you know, now that he's fully healthy, if he can be kind of that home run threat, if Conway... Austin Conway can be kind of an underneath weapon if Avante Cox, who's in the lineup now, you know, if he can contribute, you know, they're going up against a secondary that's bringing everybody back and one of the, what was one of the better secondaries in the Sun Belt last year. So it's not going to be easy, but, you know, and then I think, but I think, you know, if, if the defense can put them in, in uh, situations where they can capitalize, which I kind of expect that they can, you know, I think, you know, as long as the offense doesn't have to put together too many long drives, you know, I think that's Wyoming's probable path to victory. For Wyoming to be successful, I'm thinking on offense. I'm not. I'm not going defense. I'm going just straight offense here. They need to complete like sixty percent of the passes. Have a solid running game, which they haven't had. They seem to be competent, really. Is that fair to say? Is that is that too low of a bar to be confident, competent on offense? They just need to be able to move the ball, which is why when you look at last year's team, you know, by efficiency and by explosiveness, they finished in the triple digits naturally. 
but you know they benefited from the sixth best average field position and finished just outside the top 50 in points per trip inside the 40. And some of that had to do with solid special teams, but a lot of that had to do with just being set up for success by the defense. Mm-hmm. And and I th- and I think that even if they lose a little bit of that field position game, you know, as you said, if the offense could just be a little more efficient, just move the chains one or two more times per drive, that might be all it takes. I'm thinking the difference in this game, it's going to be the Wyoming wide receiving group. Because you look at the names, like there are names that, like James Price, tight end Austin Ford, Conway, there are names that have had some success the past couple years. And if that unit can maybe lift to that potential, that's probably going to be the difference in this game, I'm thinking. Because really, is Wyoming really going to be plus, what were they, plus 24 last year, turnover margin? Are they going to be that good, number one in the country? Probably not. And as New Mexico State was, I think, average or like minus 0.1 or minus 3 on the year. Or, I mean, point three, I should say. They're, that's more realistic to maybe repeat that, but I don't expect, and you shouldn't expect Wyoming to be like plus four in this game because the defense has four, five turnovers and give up one. That's yeah. not going to happen again. If they do, it'd be amazing because they crushed nationally. UCF was number two and is not even close, really, in takeaways. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal that's not going to repeat itself. I think the biggest difference will be the receiving group for Wyoming. And if New Mexico State's going to win, it's because they are able to, the, the defense is able to stop what Wyoming does offensively. And I think they will. And that's why I'm going. I'm going to go Wyoming to win, but it's going to be 20 to 14, like something low scoring. And that might be too many points. So you are taking Wyoming minus four. Yeah, I'm taking Wyoming to win and cover 20 to 14. I think they're probably going to scrape by in this one. Who, Cowboys or Aggies? No, I think the Cowboys are going to be able to get it done, but I think it's going to be a definite slugfest. Uh, I would also take the under, definitely. Yes. But I think it's going to be very close. I think it's probably going to be like 14 to 13. <laughs> so my 20 to 14 is not, is not enough of a slugfest for you? <laughs> so I would take New Mexico State in the points, but I would also take Wyoming to win. Okay, let's. Um, we'll note that down here. Um, did you know, Matt, there's a unique battle of the line in this game? I did not know that. Attorney General Peter Michael had a friendly wager against the – oh, that's the New Mexico Attorney General. So the two Attorney Generals from the state each wrote up official documentation. So if you go to Twitter over at um, New Mexico OAG, they have little screenshots of the uh, paperwork. You have um, Peter Michael, the Attorney General of Wyoming, and um, us from the governor, Attorney General, governor signed uh, – uh, John G. Nepper, K N E P P R. Is that Nepper? You would think? Or, yeah. Or would yeah. it? Would it be Knepper? Would it? <laughs> no, I think it's just Nepper. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding on that one, folks. Kidding. Um, there's a bet. It's like the typical mayor bet for Super Bowl. So obviously, New Mexico states green chili, right? That's what they're going to be giving up if they uh, lose the game. Oh yeah. Did you know? Here's what Wyoming's giving up if they lose. A box or two of their state's handcrafted chocolates. Is that a thing? Apparently it is. It's not from like um, some national chain that happens to reside in Wyoming, one of the stores, is it? <laughs> if, if, if you are in Wyoming, let us know. Tell us, tell us about this Wyoming chocolate, which is the first time I'm ever hearing about it. Jesse, let us know what this handcrafted chocolate is. 
Um, let's see. I think I may have found something here. There. Okay, I found a list here. We'll do this before we go. The seven best candy shops in Wyoming. Okay. Ready? I am. This is this is from the website bestthingswy.com. They do have chocolate. Let's see. There's the Yippie.io Candy Company in Jackson, Wyoming. Okay. They have literal. That's bar- a great name, by the way. That is literal barrels of candy, which is probably just um, you wait at the end. Um, Cowtown Candy and Cody, fifteen okay. years. It's been around for. Cowtown has crafted delicious treats made in house, so maybe there it is from organic ingredients. Side note: every ingredient is organic, folks. <laughs> huh. Right? I'm just saying. Technically, um, they do have something called a um, devil's food like meringue covered in chocolate. Interesting. They are renowned for chocolate, so maybe it's coming from Cowtown. You have okay. Donnell's Chocolates in Casper, um, small candy shop been around since the 50s. Um, Mitzi Mitzi Chocolatier is that something? Okay, about? Uh, been around for about a decade. Uh, renowned for producing no nonsense and expertly executed chocolates. No nonsense chocolate. I like it. <laughs> I like chocolate. I, do I, but I want. But don't you want some nonsense in your chocolate? Some fun chocolates, right? Well, if you want fun in your chocolate, <laughs> go to Willy Wonka. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, the chocolate seller, Laramie. Maybe it's coming from there. Okay. They could be go to Agewood door immediately invite invitation from the street. The house made chocolates are velvety, velvety, buttersweet. Exude the unctuous depth of quality dark bittersweet. Does this person get paid by the word on this one? For how many? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. What the source they pulled from this one, right? Um, here's okay. Here's why it makes sense. I believe chocolate. So years ago, when people making their way across west, you couldn't get whatever you want. It's like getting salt from the indies back in the what 1500s getting those mm-hmm. exotic spices chocolate was a luxury you couldn't get out west very often because the heat you're traveling you're in the mountains so maybe that's where the chocolate comes from right that makes about as much sense as anything i'm just saying so there there's that but then also it's a was it chug water chili is that the other thing <laughs> that just sounds awful i'm sorry it does Thank you for listening to Mountain West Wire, your Wyoming chocolate podcast. Hey, we didn't talk about ham. That's true. <laughs> Side note, me and Raj are on the same page on ham, so boom. Um, all right, so we have this game yeah. here. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's a long-running joke. If you haven't heard it, well, go find the ham episode from about a year and a half ago, I think, or two years ago. So we that's our two games in the book. We made a two-game podcast go 45 minutes because we're awesome. You're welcome. So we both predict uh, Colorado State to be victorious, covering and winning over Hawaii. Well, I mean, I picked them to cover and win. You predict them to win but not cover, correct? Yes. And this is at currently Thursday afternoon, evening, or evening, geez, four, minus four for Wyoming. So that's it for the show. Our schedule for the typical will be Sunday, midday, and normally we'll record this Wednesday, but scheduling stuff, work stuff got in the way, actual work stuff, not this fun stuff we do for a few bucks. But check us out, MWR.com. We'll have you covered all weekend. Twitter, MWC Wire, Facebook, Mount West Wire. Tons of updates over the weekend. Ton of crazy predictions, Matt. You seen those? We have the stupid upsets of the year, bold predictions, non-favorites to win the title, and more coming. So check all that out. And are we ready for football, I guess? Can we say, are we legally about to say, are you ready for some football? Is that trademarked by MNF or ESPN or Hank Williams Jr.? (laughs) 
I don't know. I, I will I will respond and I will say that I've been ready for football since January. I'm yes, I've been ready for football for a very long time. So that's it for tonight. Jeremy Moss here, Matt Kennerly also be the brains of the broadcast. I'll say it. He is most of the time. And until next time, we'll see you guys Sunday, um, sometime Sunday. And subscribe, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, all the great stuff. And we'll see you next time. Happy football weekend.